Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church Online. My name is Steve Polk. I'm executive pastor at First Baptist Rock Hill, and we're excited to have you join us uh, for our broadcast today. Uh, pastor Steve is going to continue his short series on the kingdom of God and our place in it. Here's the second part today. And we're excited to bring this message. You know, when we think about citizenship, we can think about that on a community scale where uh, maybe we're a citizen of our particular town in Rock Hill or wherever you might live or our county or state or an American citizen. We talk about that a lot. Very proud to be Americans or whatever nation you might be in or, or wherever your nationality is. Those are important things to us, to our families and to our culture. But the most important citizenship we can have is the kingdom of God. And today, Pastor Steve is going to bring us a message that's going to really help us understand the value and the power of being a member of the family that is the kingdom of God. So go ahead and grab your Bible, uh, get your notepad and your pen. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13. We'll be there again today. And join us and lock in on what you're about to hear from the Lord through our pastor. So let's pray together as he prepares to come. God, we thank you for your word. As we continue to study it, learn, and grow in it, that we can see ourselves in the story. That we can see ourselves as uh, not just a, a spectator who, who sees all the great works of God, but who is, can be a citizen of the kingdom of God and be a member of that family uh, by being in relationship with you. So we're looking forward to how you're going to challenge us today and connect with us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier this month, uh, my brother and I met up in Tennessee to spend a few days fishing uh, for smallmouth bass and had a lot of fun. We both enjoy that. You just never know what's going to happen or what you're going to catch. I remember many years ago when I was a young man fishing uh, on one of the lakes there in Tennessee. I was on a, the back of a houseboat and it was the summertime and I was fishing for bluegill. You call them brim around here. We called them bluegill. And I was actually fishing with a float and so on. I had my uh, Zebco uh, rod and, and, and reel and, and had the line out in the water. And it was getting lunchtime and I was hungry. So I just uh, decided to leave the hook in the water. And I sat the, uh, the pole down on the, uh, on the boat, kind of propped up, thought it was pretty secure. Went in, got a sandwich and ate that and, and uh, came back out. And when I got back out to the back of the houseboat, my, my rod and reel were gone. Like, you know, some big fish had, or something had pulled, pulled them into the water and I couldn't see them anywhere. And so I thought, well, okay, you know, it wasn't a very expensive uh, rod and reel. So I didn't feel too bad about it. Well, the next day I was fishing in the same place and I hooked something and I, I started reeling it in. I thought, man, I've got a really good fish. And I reeled that all the way in. I had hooked the pole, the rod and reel that the previous day had been jerked into the water. And so I'd hooked that and I, I reeled it all the way in. And uh, then I took that original uh, rod and reel and I reeled that line in. I thought, man, that's got something on it. And when I got it, got, got it all the way reeled in, I had hooked the previous day a really large bluegill and it had yanked my pole overboard. And then that day I'd hooked that rod. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Now, I know I know you're used to people who fish telling you, you know, long stories that aren't true. But this actually happened. I, I couldn't plan that if I wanted to. You just you just never know what's going to happen when you go fishing. Um, Jesus used a fishing story, if you will. 
to teach us about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, how important it is that you and I belong to his kingdom. And uh, the stories that Jesus often told are called parables. Parables are not allegories where everything in the story means something. Parables are, are stories designed to make a point, to teach a truth. And so Jesus would tell a parable, a story, and there was one or two truths, central truths that he was teaching with that. And teaching about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, he used a lot of parables. And I I want us to look at one in Matthew 13. So if you have your Bible open to that chapter, look with me beginning at verse 47. Matthew 13, verse 47. Jesus said this. He said again, because he'd been teaching previously on the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. There he's using a fishing story, uh, a parable about fishing to teach about the kingdom of heaven. And and uh, you, you might be wondering in your own mind, what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, last Sunday I started teaching on this subject and we discovered that the Bible teaches there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and there's the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of Satan, if you will. And there are only two kingdoms. And every person, me, you, every human being, every person belongs to one of those two kingdoms, whether they know it or not. And the kingdom of God, the best way to define it is this. Think of think of God's governing authority. God's kingship, God's rule over my life, his lordship over me, and in reality, his lordship over the universe. When I belong to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it means that God has authority over me, authority over my life. He is my Lord. He is my King. And I know Him in a personal saving relationship. I spend my life serving Him and I will spend eternity with Him in heaven. And the, the kingdom of heaven is, think of it as both a, a here and now, but it's also a then and there that, that I'm a part of God's kingdom today, His rule in my life because of my relationship with Jesus. And his kingdom is eternal because in the future, after the resurrection of the dead and the second coming of Jesus, we spend eternity with him in heaven. So it's the here and now and the then and there. And and Jesus is going to teach us in this fishing story from Mark 13 more about the kingdom and belonging to his kingdom. And so let's look at verse 47 one more time. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it's filled, when the dragnet is full, they drew it up on the beach. They sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad fish they threw away. Jesus then applied that story by saying in verse 49, so it will be in a similar way. That's what it's going to be like at the end of the age, at the second coming. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus says, let me tell you this, this parable, this fishing story. It's, it's like fishermen using a dragnet. 
And a dragnet was a, a very large, long, and, and tall net uh, that had flotation devices at the top, if you will, and some weights at the bottom. And they would anchor one end of, of that net to, to something on the beach on the shore and the other to a boat and pull it out into the water. Or maybe both ends were anchored to two different boats and that net was drugged through the water, through the lake, through the sea, kind of making a big circle, if you a semicircle. And as, as the second boat would pull it back around to the first or back around to the bank, that net would capture everything in the water. All the fish, didn't matter what kind, if they were in the path of that net, they were caught, and it's called a drag net. They would drag it through the water. And so Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like a drag net, and it's drugged through the water, and it just captures all these fish. And when they pull the net, they drag the net back to the beach, back to the bank, back to the shore. The fishermen sit down and they separate the fish. The good fish they put in the containers. Uh, they're going to keep them. They're going to, to prepare those uh, for, you know, for a meal or whatever. But the bad fish are thrown away. Uh, we would think about just releasing them, putting them back in the water. And Jesus said, that is a picture. That is a picture of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It is a picture of what's going to happen at the second coming when Jesus comes back at the end of the age. And, 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 and he said it, it's, it's like God sends out his angels and his angels will act like a dragnet gathering all of humanity together. And on the instructions of God, the, the angels are going to separate humanity. They're going to separate people. They're going to separate me and you. And over here are going to be the righteous, those who belong to the kingdom of heaven, who belong to the kingdom of God, who know Jesus and are in a relationship with Jesus. And they're going to separate the bad fish. Over here are going to be the ones who do not know God are not in a relationship with Jesus, do not belong to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God because they are actually citizens of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of Satan, because they've never made a decision to commit their lives to Jesus Christ and be born into his family and, and be adopted as citizens of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so we're learning last Sunday and today that during this life preceding the second coming of Jesus, that these two kingdoms exist simultaneously here on earth. And that, that people, people who belong to the kingdom of darkness and people who belong to the kingdom of God live together, interact together. We are here in this world simultaneously. And the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the story of Jesus is being proclaimed, preached, shared by testimony, video, however we do it, people are hearing about Christ and each person chooses how he or she is responding to that gospel message about Jesus Christ dying on the cross to pay the penalty for their sin. People respond differently. People have different motivations. And it's, it's equally true that in life, some people, some people claim to be good fish when in reality, they are not. They are not. They, they, you, you, you and I, we, we can't always tell the difference, but God can. This is, this is the reason that, that on earth you don't have a perfect church. You will never have a pure 
church. Because you and I don't always know what's going on in someone's life or heart. People are motivated by different things and, and some will pretend to be good fish when in reality they are not. That's why you have hypocrites in the church. But God always knows the difference. And at the second coming, his angels on his authority and his instructions will separate the two. These are the good fish. These are the bad fish. These are the righteous. These are the unrighteous. These know me. These do not know me. These have committed their lives to me. These have not committed to their lives to me. These followed me. These did not follow me. These belong to the kingdom of heaven. These belong to the kingdom of darkness. And the question you have to answer is, right now, in this moment, which group are you in? Are you the good fish or the bad fish? Do you belong to the kingdom of heaven or to the kingdom of darkness? God's angels will do the separating. It reminds me of when our kids were little and on Halloween, just like your kids, they would go door-to-door, trick-or-treating, come home with all kinds of candy. And, and I can remember Stephen and Jacqueline would dump that candy out in the living room floor. Now, Jacqueline's candy was just one big old pile, and she dug into it. And when she was through eating some candy that, that evening, she'd put it all back in her bag and just keep it all piled up together. Now, Stephen, he'd dump his out on the floor, and he would separate them. He would separate them. All the Kit Kats would be together. All the Milky Ways would be together. All the Starbursts would be together. He, 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 he didn't intermingle them. He put them in separate piles, and he actually counted how many were in each pile and kept a record of them. And then as he stored his in the days to come, he kept them separated and had a record. He knew what he had. Jacqueline didn't. God and his angels are like my son. There's going to be a great separation. God knows who belongs to him and who does not. God knows who's living for Jesus and who is not living for Jesus. And it doesn't matter what I think or what you think or anyone else thinks. The only thing that matters is which pile does God put you in on the great day of separation. Because what he's telling us in this parable, this fishing story about the dragnet, is that there are only two destinies for every human being in the afterlife. There's the good fish gathered into God's containers, into a relationship with God, into heaven, and there's the bad fish who are placed in here, the furnace of fire, in a place of suffering. In verse 50, Jesus said, the bad fish, those who do not belong to the kingdom of heaven, who do not know God and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he says, they will be thrown into the furnace of fire. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And there are Many places in the Bible where the afterlife for those who do not follow Jesus is is described as a place of fire, a place of of burning, if you will. One of the analogies, one of the pictures that was used to depict that eternal place that we often refer to as hell in the New Testament was Gehenna, a, a, a constantly burning garbage dump outside the city of Jerusalem. But the Bible doesn't always refer to that place of suffering by by the the picture of fire. In fact, in in Matthew chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus called it the place of outer darkness. And, And it's hard to think about outer darkness and fire together. But here's the constant. In both both those Bible passages, he says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping 
and gnashing of teeth, which is a, a picture of suffering and of grief and of sorrow and so many other things. And I think about the times in my life when I have cried. And it's because I was hurting. I remember being a little kid on the farm in Kentucky. And one day I had a, a hatchet. And fortunately, it was a really dull hatchet. And and I was cutting something. And I uh, my aim was bad. And I ac- accidentally hit this finger here where the fingernail is. And like I said, luckily, it was a very, very dull hatchet and did not cut my finger. But it bruised it badly. And that, that finger, you know, it swelled up and, and, uh, and, and, and the fingernail turned black and there was this buildup of blood underneath and man, it hurt. And I cried. It hurt. I mean, it was painful. And, and, uh, to, to relieve the pressure, I remember taking a knife and just a knife and a couple of other things and just over time drilling a hole in the top of that fingernail till I could get all the way through it and release the pressure of that, of that, of that swelling of that building of the blood. And when I finally broke through and that blood released, oh, such sweet relief. It felt good. Now it took a while for the fingernail to eventually come off and a new one to grow back. But that was one of the times that I hurt and I cried. When I was 29 years old, my father died with cancer. And uh, I remember being home to visit him in Kentucky, my wife and I. And as we were getting ready to leave, returning to uh, South Carolina, uh, we were standing outside the house, just dad and mom and me and my wife. And dad asked me to pray for me. So the four of us stand there in that circle, our arms around each other. And, and I'm, I can barely pray for choking up. And, and after the prayer, get in our car to drive back to South Carolina. And, and I just lose it. I remember slumping back in the seat and just, just wailing like a, but I just cried at the prospect of my father dying. I remember when uh, Monisa was six months pregnant with our first child, our son, uh, Stephen, and we had made a quick trip to Kentucky to see family one last time before the birth. And while we were there, she started bleeding and was in the hospital. And and uh, I remember going to mom and dad's house in the middle of the night just to get a quick shower and, and then get back to the hospital for some tests they were going to do that morning. And uh, I, I'm standing in the living room in the middle of the night and mom looks at me and she says, she's not going to lose the baby, is she? And when she said that, I, I didn't think, I just collapsed in the chair behind me and cried, cried. Every time we cried, I could go on with, with, with other stories. I could talk about crying and praying in the middle of the night while my daughter in Italy was having surgery because of breast cancer at the age of 27. You have your story. You, you know when you've cried and, and when you've hurt and the, the different things. And so I, I don't know everything. I don't know everything about the suffering in hell, about what it's going to be like in that place of outer darkness and, and that furnace of fire. But what I do know is that the Bible consistently describes it as a place of weeping and the gnashing of teeth, a place of sorrow and pain, a place of regret, of fear, a place of anxiety and worry, of, of anger, a, a place of memory, a, a place of consciousness, a place of no escape, a place of suffering. And our, our modern culture does not want to believe that a place of that kind of suffering in eternity exists for those who refuse to follow Jesus. 
And, and, and we think if we don't believe it's real, then it's not real. And yet Jesus Christ is the person who said more about that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, that place of suffering. Jesus said more about it than anyone else in all of Holy Scripture. And if, if Jesus, who died on that cross to pay the penalty for your sin, if Jesus, who loves you more than anyone else, if Jesus, who tells us about heaven, about forgiveness, about a new life, about peace and joy, if this same Jesus is the person who said more about that place of suffering than anyone else, a wise man, wise woman, wise teenager will listen to what Jesus says. And he says, those who do not belong to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, who do not know God, will spend eternity in a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is not the only one who spoke about it. Other places in the Bible do. The Apostle Paul, writing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, talking about that day when the angels will separate the two groups, described it this way. He said, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God. The exact same thing Jesus is teaching in this fishing story, this fishing parable about the dragnet and the separation of the good fish from the bad fish. Jesus said the angels will come and they will separate humanity into two groups. The apostle Paul in the New Testament says the same thing. The angels will come when Jesus is revealed, when Jesus comes back at the end of the age, when he comes back at the second coming, the angels are coming with him and they will deal out retribution to those who do not know God. If today, my friend, if today was that great day, if today was the day of separation, if today was the day the angels separated humanity into those two groups, which group would you be in? The kingdom of heaven, those who know God and follow Jesus or the kingdom of darkness, those whose destiny is a place of suffering, a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I remember a while back visiting uh, a somewhat young man in our city who had not grown up in a Christian family or a Christian church, but had started attending our church. He was dying. And I remember just talking with him and then talking about eternity and about death and heaven and how to have a relationship with Jesus and asking him if, if he would commit his life to Jesus and, and, and prepare for death and prepare for eternity. And, and time and time again, he said no. Right there at death's door, he was unwilling to do it. You, I, I don't know what decisions you've made to this point in your life, but you can know God. And you can be a member of God's kingdom, but you have to want to and you must choose it. Jesus Christ said being part of his kingdom and knowing him is worth more than anything you already have in life. It is worth more than anything you ever will have in life. In this same Matthew 13, Jesus tells two more small stories, just, just snippets, if you will, to illustrate for us how important, how valuable belonging to God's kingdom really is. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, just this one verse. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. 
And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I want you to imagine with me a, a hardworking farmhand, a hardworking day laborer, and he's out there in the field toiling away. And as he's digging in the ground, he finds some buried treasure. But rather than lifting it out of the ground and showing it to everybody, he covers it back up. And when his day in the field is over, he goes and he sells everything he owns. He sells all his property. He sells his house. He sells his car. He sells anything and everything he has of value. And he takes all that money and he goes to the man who owns that field and he buys that field. And once he buys it, he owns the treasure. Jesus said, if you want to understand how, how valuable the kingdom of heaven is, what it's worth, what it's worth to know God and belong to his kingdom, it's worth you giving everything you have, selling everything you have. There is nothing you have now or will have in the future that you should hold on to if it keeps you from being a part of the kingdom of God keeps you from knowing Jesus Christ. He said, that's how valuable God's kingdom really is. And then he uses another short story in verses uh, 45 and 46 in Matthew 13 to illustrate how valuable it is. Look with me at verse 45. Again, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had and bought it. This is like a businessman, like a merchant who's traveling here and there looking for the finest pearl, the finest, you know, uh, one he can, the most beautiful one, the most precious one he can find. And he, and he, and he finally discovers one that is, that is beautiful and it's worth a lot. And, and he goes and he sells everything. Just like, just like the farmhand, he sells his house and sells his car and sells everything. All his possessions. And then he buys just that one pearl. That's the only thing he has. Doesn't have anything else now because he sold everything. Just has that one pearl. And, and, and Jesus said it's for joy they do this. He said that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of God is like. Being in a relationship with Jesus is like, it's worth that. That you, if you had to, you would sacrifice anything, sacrifice everything, sell everything. There, there's nothing so important that it should keep you from belonging to the kingdom of heaven. Nothing so important that it should keep you from knowing and following and living for the Lord Jesus Christ. What about you, my brothers and sisters? Are you allowing certain people to stand in your way? Are you allowing certain things that are part of your life, certain things you own to stand in your way? Are you allowing the opinions, the opinions, the attitudes, the laughter, the thoughts, the, 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 the ridicule of others to stand in your way? Are, are you allowing things that you want to do? Stand in your way. What is it? What is it that you, you are saying right now is more valuable than the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God? What is it right now that you are saying is more valuable than knowing God and being in a relationship with Jesus Christ? I have a cousin in, in Kentucky 
who a few years ago became a follower of Jesus. And I remember talking to him on the telephone after that. And, and, and he said, Steve, you were right the whole time. If I'd known following Jesus would be this much fun, I would have done it a long time ago. See, some people are not really seeking you. You're like that farmhand working out there in the field. You're just choring away in life. And somebody invites you to church. You're not seeking. You're not a spiritual seeker. In fact, spiritually, you're apathetic. You're, you're watching this, this broadcast because somebody invited you to, or maybe you just stumbled across it and thought you'd check it out. But somebody invites you to church. Somebody takes the initiative to, to interrupt the flow of your life and they tell you about Jesus. And suddenly you're no longer apathetic because you realize how important knowing him and belonging to his kingdom really is. Others of you are like the merchant. You're on a journey, a spiritual seeker. You've been reading books and listening to messages. You are watching this broadcast or you're coming to church because you're interested. You're seeking. Nobody has to push you or invite you. You are a spiritual seeker and you learn about Jesus. You learn about his death on the cross. You learn about his forgiveness and love for you. You learn about the kingdom of heaven. You learn about your heavenly home. And you say, wow, I finally found it. Each and every person, me and you, each and every one of us must choose, must choose Jesus, must choose the kingdom of heaven, must choose to commit our lives to him. The Bible tells us that we are to repent and believe. And I'm asking you right now where you are in your home, at work, in your bedroom, in your car, wherever you are right now, I'm asking you to stop everything else and get on your knees before God and say, Jesus, I choose you. I choose your kingdom. And all the things that have been holding me back, I let go of them because you are more valuable. You are worth more than all of them put together. Bow your head and humble your heart right now and pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you and I want a relationship with you. I know that today I'm a sinner. And I, I, I don't belong to your kingdom. Thank you for inviting me into your kingdom. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Right now, Jesus, I accept your invitation. I receive you into my life. I commit myself to you and ask you to forgive me for all my sin. I will live for you, follow you, and serve you. Thank you for saving me and forgiving me. And thank you for making me part of your kingdom, part of your family. I love you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with your heart, I want you to let me know so I can help you. I have some literature I want to send you. On the screen, there's a number, 803-310-4455. I want you to text that word, Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. Text that word to the number on your screen. You'll get a reply. Follow the prompts in the reply to let me know you prayed to become a follower of Jesus and to be a member of his 
kingdom. We will send you literature helping you in your new relationship with Jesus to grow. Hey, God bless you. Merry Christmas. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday morning. Uh, for this broadcast and also on Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock you can watch a live stream of our Christmas Eve worship service you'll find the link on our website and we encourage you to do that God bless you, Merry Christmas and I'll see you next time